biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Jacob Wolf, and on today's special episode of the podcast, I am joined by the Philadelphia 76ers CEO, Scott O'Neill. Last year on September, Scott and the Sixers bought two esports teams, Team Dignitas and Team Apex, and are now in the process of applying for the League Championship Series for a cost of $10 million. In the podcast, Scott and I discuss facing the challenge of potentially not being in the league, his hopes for being in the league, and also what he's learned over his time in esports. Without further ado, welcome Scott O'Neill of the Philadelphia 76ers. Jacob, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to kind of open up with something. You guys have been in this industry for about a year. What is the biggest Thing you've learned about esports during your time of kind of overseeing Team Dignitas for the last year? Boy, it has been um, quite the learning experience. I mean, first and, and foremost, you know, we're a learning organization. So we, we walk in, we wake up every day um, thinking about how little we know and how much opportunity there is to learn. And, um, and when you walk into an industry that's exploding with growth, has incredibly smart people in and around it and have an ecosystem that's, that's pretty well, uh, connected. You know, our, our first step back is, okay, who's who and, and how much can we learn and how quickly? And so, so the first thing certainly is, is, um, is to make sure that we, we listen and learn and become part of the system. We're not trying to change the system. We're trying to become part of it and hopefully enhance it. Um, but there are some things, you know, I've, I've been in this business over 20 years. I worked with several um, pro, franchise, pro sports franchises. I worked at the NBA League office for quite some time. I've been in and around a, a couple startups. And um, I, I can tell you for sure that, that I think where we might be able to add some value down the road is, is one is, you know, I, I did spend eight years at the NBA in a group called Teambo, Team Marketing and Business Operations. And, and essentially the group was a, was a, a kind of a center of influence to help teams with best practices. And so I, I got to study over 50 pro sports organizations and see what works and, and what doesn't. And, um, and that goes anywhere, everything from management and leadership to HR to sales and marketing and digital marketing, digital strategy and uh, sponsorship selling and merchandise and a lot of the core ingredients and elements that make uh, esports teams successful. And, and so from our end, um, I think from from a, a new league formulation and our franchising, you know, I hope to bring some of that know-how, attitude, and opportunity to my partners in, these, in, the, in the different leagues that we're in. That's for first and foremost. Secondly, I think there's a tremendous opportunity. I mean, these players are such stars um, in their world, and and to make sure that we're taking some of the stuff we learned from traditional stick and ball sports, you know, everything from from media training to digital social media strategy, to health and wellness. It's like, you know, can you actually um, help with sleep patterns? Can you talk about nutrition? Can we get um, us wholly and, and truly focused on, on kind of um, actions and motions and exercises, both psychological and physical, that can, that can help make you um, better and more successful. Um, I think there's some things, you know, in terms of uh, what I've been blown away by is just how important 
communication and chemistry is, you know, no different than we find in, in basketball or hockey. Um, but, but certainly, you know, there's some things that we can learn from team Dignitas and, and how they kind of, uh, you know, I was just, I was out in, uh, in our, in our, um, in our house in Santa Monica last week and, and watching one of the scrims and the post op to the scrim. And I just kept thinking, huh, what an interesting way to, to walk through a film session, you know, very, very interactive, very collaborative, a lot of back and forth. And, and to me, like a really interesting way. And it's some of those things, you know, can we learn and learn from what's happening in league of legends? And can we bring that back to, to the Sixers or the devils is certainly something we're taking a look at. So you mentioned you worked in the NBA league office, uh, which is something that not many people can say that are in your position. Uh, looking at the NBA 2K league in particular, when this week when the Madden League was announced, uh, there were, or the Madden Club Championship was announced, there were a lot of people that were very misguided, I think, on exactly what the purpose of those leagues are. Um, a lot of people think they're trying to compete to be as big as League of Legends or Dota or Counter-Strike, etc. I don't think that's the case, at least in my opinion. What do you think the purpose of the NBA 2K League is, and what do you hope to get out of it as it launches in the beginning of next year? Well, the guy running the league, Brendan Donahue, is a good friend, and um, and I, I know one thing is that you know he has a, a really bright star and a huge career behind him and certainly ahead of him. So I, I don't take him as a, a guy who would would take an opportunity to um, to work on a cute little property. That's for sure. Um, secondly, having spent quite a bit of time with. Adam Silver, you know, my former boss, the current commissioner of the NBA, um, he has big eyes, big dreams, big ambition, and he seems to be successful at every single turn. Um, and, and thirdly, I'd say, you know, their ability to drive sponsorship revenue, um, licensing, and and their fan engagement um, capacity is off the charts. So, so I would say, in one in one hand, I totally understand what you're saying and, and how you're saying it. It's just not a group I'd bet against ever. Um, I will say that it's different. I mean, um, and I think there's huge opportunity in being different. And, and different, I say, you know, League of Legends is, I think, in a league of its own, so to speak. Um, but for NBA 2K, I think the opportunity for us, for the Sixers, to broaden our fan base um, internationally, to get younger, to get more digital, um, to make sure that um, we are doing what we can to not only leverage our current base, but to develop new fans is something that's really interesting to me. And how you can move fans back and forth between our East, you know, our NBA 2K team and the Sixers is a challenge like we're really excited about. So it's not something I bet against in summary. How much do you think that league is based on educating the other owners who have not invested in esports? That's a good question. Um, you know, we've been talking about esports um, in our board meetings. You know, when you go to to uh, when you're part of the NBA, that we have uh, twice a year, we have board meetings, and each of the thirty clubs send owners and CEOs and presidents, and we talk about every you know issues from the competition committee to new trends in the business, to an update on how the league is doing financially and how we can be better partners. And one of the things that got us into esports was Adam Silver, the commissioner, got up and gave a pretty stirring talk about the future of esports and, and its impact on, on the future sports entertainment world. And, and that was kind of one of the emphasis for us, um, other than um, David Blitzer, one of our owners, 
pushing me and saying esports, esports, esports. The, the Adam Silver um, talk, if you will, was the the one thing that pushed us over the edge, and and that was just the raw stats and facts. Like more people watched the League of Legends Worlds than watched the BCS National Championship game. I mean, they're pre- pretty like compelling, almost ridiculous statistics and impact. Um, so I think that um, that there's certainly um, the opportunity is screaming at us. So for the owners who didn't know or don't know or aren't in the game like we are or or Wes Edens or um, Ted Leontis or Peter Goober or um, Joe Lacob, I mean, there are a lot of owners of the Madison Square Garden, Jim Dolan. You know, a lot of, of owners have gotten into esports, and I anticipate a lot more getting in. Um, you know, but NBA 2K is not meant to be training wheels to get into the sport. It's It's certainly... Um, this is, you know, meant to be um, to be riding with the big boys for sure. And how has the the Sixers changed to kind of adapt to the esports world? If I remember correctly, you guys were making some staff changes, bringing some people on that that knew a little bit more, or like you were utilizing people in your organization that already knew a lot about it uh, to kind of focus more on it. How have things changed in your organization to work better in the esports world? Well, to say we brought on people that know more than I did about esports is about the lowest bar you could possibly have. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, all I can say is that, um, you know, from my own take, I would tell you, I've, I've learned more in a year about esports than I care to tell you. I actually am fairly well versed now. And, um, and it, it's such a, a nascent industry. I actually have people calling me and saying, hey, what do you think of? And I also get a kick out of it. Um, in terms of, of what we, um, how we organize, you know, we have a, a great chairman named Greg Richardson who's based out in the Valley. Jonathan Kemp um, is our CEO. Again, longtime gaming guys in the gaming space for, uh, for a decade or so. So you have real good leadership. And you combine that with Odie and the Slans, you've got a pretty good mix of new age gaming and, and old school esports, which I think has been really nice. Um, our first um, impetus, our first kind of target was to make sure that we were going to compete at a really high level. Like, a, a, you know, obviously we're in the semis this weekend against TSM to give you a sense of, of how serious we are, um, which which, uh, which has been fun. But, you know, we're competing. We're a top five team in every league we compete in. And so our first order of business was let's let's lock it down and let's make sure that on the competition side we're doing everything we possibly can to, to be competing at a world-class level. The second phase, which you've just started to get into, is just in terms of marketing and social media, integration with the Sixers and Devils on the on the business side, the sponsorship side, the um, the communication side, the the social media side. So that's just starting. You'll see that's just starting to phase in. I mean, we've done some pretty good good sponsorship deals, you know, in the non-endemic space, which I give credit to our sponsorship team. You saw Mountain Dew come in and Buffalo Wild Wings and Dell and some other great partners, which is fantastic. Um, we ran a boot camp here recently, um, and that'll be a run-of-the-mill type of thing for all of our teams before they start their seasons. They'll spend a week in Philadelphia. They'll spend time with, you know, our chef, our health and wellness people, um, our strength and conditioning crew, our mental health group, um, nutritionists, sports psychologists, all that kind of stuff. So, so we have a regular program now that I that I think uh, makes sure that when you are playing for Team Dignitas, you know that you're part of this family and you have resources that are maybe a little different, a little more expansive than you might find other anywhere else. 
So shortly after you all invested, you were kind of talking about some of the early adjustments you made. Uh, one of the biggest things you all were faced with is your Counter-Strike team was coming up on contract, and they were one of the best teams in the world at the time, uh, definitely top 10. Uh, there were a lot of rumors out there when they eventually left uh, salary upwards of $20,000 a month, and I'm not one to confirm that, uh, but like that was that was what was out there. What was it like for you all being faced with such a big task like immediately? You know, you know, I always found that, um, you know, I've been in and around a lot of transactions around players. I'm, I'm not the one that signs players for hockey or basketball, certainly not uh, League of Legends or CSGO. Um, but I've always found a couple things. One is is a lot of the, the, what you read about um, in the paper and certainly on Reddit are, 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 are you know, simply some truth to the, to what's reported out there. But, but typically what's put out in the media is, is – um, there's certainly a side and an agenda that's that's typically not 100% on point. I've also found in, in my dealings on these player transactions is that, you know, to talk about on post-mort is never really helpful um, to any side. And I'd say thirdly, um, and while I'm not, not – I'm, I'm versed in, the, in that particular situation, but what was not kind of day-to-day on the negotiation is that, you know what, you hire great people. I think we have world-class people. And you empower them to make really good, smart decisions. And they've made pretty good decisions, but it's not without a mistake here or a mistake there or a misstep here or a misstep there. And, and whether that was a brilliant decision or a bad misstep, you know, only history and time will tell. Um, I can tell you that we continue to have success where we put our emphasis and, and our stamp. And I'd imagine that's what we'll continue to find, um, given how serious we are about esports in general and specifically the teams that we're engaging in. Um, but this is a, you know, the great news about esport. I mean, let me put it this way. You never have to wonder in this business in particular. Um, the coverage is, is pretty wide. Um, the fans are very much engaged and accessible. And if you want to know how you're doing, um, you don't need to ask, you just need to open your eyes. And, and so for our, our, in our perspective, what a gift. I mean, what a gift if, if, if the Sixers were like that. And I wanted to run out, roll out a new advertising campaign, and I could ask for 1,200 volunteers through, through a, a post on the message board, and 1,200 people will, would rank my ad campaigns 1 to 8, and I could go with number 1, or I could segment it by depending on who responded. My life would get a lot easier, a lot quicker. And I think that's, that's – I mean, what eSports is leading us to – at least from my perspective, it's just showing us a whole new way. And, and that whole new way might be, you know, old hat to the people in the digital world. But uh, but th- those of us like me who have been kind of ingrained in the NBA and the NHL, um, we're learning quite a bit about how to get to fans and how to learn about what to do and how to do it very quickly. But on the sporting side, you know, I, I leave that to the experts on, on if you want to know the truth. Before we continue on with Scott, we'd like to hear from you. And the best way to do that is to give us feedback. You can give us feedback in the review section on iTunes, or you can message us on Twitter. My Twitter is at Jacob N. Wolf, or you can tweet at at ESPN underscore esports. So I don't think anyone can kind of deny that there's this been uh, there's been a really large scaling up in turn of monetary with since you all have invested in esports and that's not just tied to you all it's tied to a lot of the other parties that have invested in uh, leagues like the Overwatch League seeking what they are uh, you all were one of the first teams to announce that you were parting ways with your uh, Overwatch team 
Overwatch League is reported at $20 million, which is pretty large. What did what do you think of the Overwatch League and the prospect that that has and its price? Sure. So, um, you know, we spent quite a bit of time with, with the Overwatch group. Um, I'm a big fan, actually. Bobby Kotick is one of the great executives of our time. I mean, he's he's effectively like the Jack Welch of, of this generation and has built, you know, more market value than just about anybody in the world. And he continues to reinvent Activision and the space at a really high level. Um, we, we love the league, quite frankly. Um, we love his vision. We love his view on the game and, and what needs to be done to, to, uh, to improve the, the game and the playing experience um, and the watchability. Uh, we like the business model and we like the upside. You know, from our perspective, uh, we thought that, you know, at least in the short term, um, taking on two big franchise opportunities at the same time would have been a pretty good heavy lift. And so, you know, our, at least in the, in the immediate term, our bet is to try to secure a uh, League of Legends franchise. And so that's where our target is now. But it, it is not to say by any means that we think that that Overwatch is a second fiddle. Um, you know, we have a lot of confidence in the space. And, and quite frankly, for all of us in this business, um, Overwatch's success is good for everybody. And I think that that's, that's kind of a universally shared. You know, what's, what's good for Facebook is good for Twitch, and what's good for League of Legends is good for Overwatch. There's some really high-powered, extremely successful, driven people um, betting on Overwatch, and a lot of good friends of mine, quite frankly. So, um, so I, I think there's an opportunity um, to to see a rising tide lift all boats. And you mentioned the league championship series, which the they're going through the application process right now. Everyone has applied that wants to. Uh, the Score Esports reported that there were over a hundred applicants, which is a lot. It's very stiff competition. I would venture to say that you guys are not the only basketball team that uh, had an organization apply or applied themselves. What do you think about this kind of gold rush to be in that league? Something that you all have participated in over the last year. Well, I mean, you talk about. Um an incredible business. I mean, you have the number one game in the world. Um, and, and I think we all think that franchising is the right step and the way to go in terms of building greater, stronger fan avidity and followership. Um, and I, I mean, at least from, from my perspective, I mean, if you look at Jared and Whalen and Chris Hopper and those guys that are, that are, or Greeley or bear, I mean, it's an incredible group of executives, um, and and I think they're building something that's going to be different. Um, you know, it's a little more complicated because they have multiple leagues around the world. Um, but but having spent some time with them as recently as last week, um, I've had a chance to get really comfortable with with the vision and where they're heading. Um, you know, the the riot offices. I mean. Brandon Beck and Mark Merrill. Think about two guys in a college dorm room creating one of the most successful businesses in America over the last 10 years. It's pretty cool to think about. Um, but to, to be able to play kind of our small part or role in building a world-class league that we hope to be the envy of all is something that's uh, inspiring and uh, has me and us on the edge of our seats. 
Um, you know, you, I'm sure you've walked in their offices. I mean, you just to walk in their offices is kind of, you know, I don't know if you're a 24 fan, but, um, you know, Jack Bauer's offices are actually in their offices. So that's the first thing I noticed. But, but for me, um, it's a culture of innovation. They're smart, they're driven, and, um, and I, they're the types of folks we want to be around. So I'm going to ask you a question, and uh, I want to ask the positive part of it and then the potentially negative part of it. Uh, the first the first positive part is if you do get into the LCS uh, through this very, very, very difficult pro- or application process and against a lot of other people that are competing for the same spots, uh, what is the first thing you do if you were franchised? The first thing we would do if we were franchised, I would say after we stop celebrating, I presume? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. After we start celebrating, um, well, I'd say we'd start assessing how we build a roster um, to win it to uh, to repeat as champs. Because I guess that'd be after the fact, right? Right. That's somewhat sarcastic. Um, and then I think we would continue. I mean, look, we're on our way. This is not like a team that's come out of left field. We've been in this business for a year with us, but we've been in and around. Our people have been in and around the space for for years. And so, you know, we're what we have to do is focus on how we integrate the Sixers, Devils, and Prudential Center more effectively to drive our fan, you know, our fan base and interaction with fans. I mean, you have this, you know, the ML Bam deal gives you quite an opportunity and a platform. Um, but for us, I, you know, I, I think we've got to spend more time on developing world class content, continuing to evolve and develop our social media. We've got to make sure that we're working with our players to make sure that they understand the impact and influence they can have by using social media, digital media, and creating original content and and go about the business of helping our partners because there hopefully there'll be some some ones that haven't been in this business before. And hopefully we'll be helping our partners as partners, getting them going and getting them up to speed. So last question before I let you go. The opposite side of that, uh, if you don't make franchising, someone else takes your spot, you get the whatever the buyout is. They haven't said it, but it's upwards of $3 million, somewhere in that, that uh, range. If you don't get into franchising, what is your next move as Team Dignitas? You know, I hadn't thought about much, much about it as a glass half full guy. I, I can tell you um, – you know, I, I guess you know. I, I know that there'll be. I, I, you know, I have. I, I don't really know. I think we would probably look to partner with an organization. Maybe we'd look at starting a league. I, you know, I, I haven't really thought much about it. Um, I can tell you that just in terms of esports and the ecosystem, we think there are several businesses that will come out of Team Dignitas that will serve the greater esports community much, much further and wider than. Um, our team and a league would do. So I think we'd probably spend a lot more time thinking about those opportunities and plans. All right. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Always a pleasure. I hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.